Aussie music is something to be proud of. Wear it like a badge. Because it's Australian bands and artists that are the influencers of so many other musicians the world over. So at Triple M, we're proud to be able to showcase the power of the Aussie music scene. Paying both homage to the greats that have stood the test of time, right alongside the current, the emerging, the future influencers. The ones that will be next to make their mark on the global music scene. If it's Aussie and it rocks, it's right here. This is Triple M's Homegrown with Matty O. Well, it doesn't get any bigger than this. We welcome two men who are part of Australian music history and what a story it is from garages in Newcastle to the world. We're talking about breaking records in this country, whether it be sales, playing live. I know it's not about awards, but they do hold the record for the most Aries ever won in this country and it's likely to stay that way. And now we get to hear their story and an incredible career, the new book, Love and Pain. And it is amazing to hear these stories taking us behind the scenes. And as music fans, Chris and I are absolutely stoked to welcome to, well, they need no introduction. An incredible body of work. You know the words to every song. Got to throw in a personal favourite here. And of course, who could forget? You're on Triple M's Homegrown, and we welcome to you the one and only Ben Gillies and Christian Anu. Welcome to Triple M's Homegrown, lads. Thanks, oh, mate. What, what an intro. I'm pumped. Yeah. Hey, good day. Let's go. What are we doing now? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good to have you back in Melbourne. What's it like? We're just talking about off camera. Like, what's it like doing a book tour? I guess you guys are kind of on tour promoting a book. How different is it to promoting an album and a song, which is it, what you guys are normally used to doing? Yeah, it seems to have all the similar motions to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like getting ready for a gig essentially, but then, yeah, there's just no, well, for me especially, there's yeah, no yeah. instrument standing out there and just feel a little naked. Yeah, no um, sound checks. N- yeah, no really. <laughs> oh, we get in there and, you know, we... Ooh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Make sure the but, 4K is okay. Yeah. Uh, it's just plain speaking with a microphone. I feel a little vulnerable. Uh, what's it like doing the, like, the live Q&As as well? You've got Chit Chat, of course, who yeah. someone you've known for ages. If you're a Channel V Music Max fan like myself, it must be nice to kind of go on tour with him because he's amazing. He's like a music encyclopedia. And to kind of do these live shows with him must be fun. Yeah. And, and when, we said, when we set out to do the um, sort of book tour, um, we thought it'd be good to do something just a little bit different that might sort of lean a little more towards doing a gig, so yeah. to speak. Um, yeah. And he's been great. He's, um, yeah. And he's known us for, yeah, know, of course, forever and, um, another good newy lad. So yeah. yeah, it works well. Was it like reconnecting with fans? Cause I suppose like, you know, this is their chance to come and see you in person. You've seen people you haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Some familiar faces <laughs> and you know, it's, it's always nice to, yeah, uh, cool. I don't know, do some gripping and grinning and saying hello. And like, yeah. if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here, you know? So you gotta, you gotta say thank you. Yeah, it's easy. Uh, what's it like? Um, you know, you record an album, you write some songs and then it's done. And then it's just like, there's that nervous kind of build up before the album's actually released. There's that period of time. What's it like having a book out, knowing that the book's done, it's in print, you can't change anything. And then you've got that like waiting period in the middle. We probably didn't really have a waiting period. I think we were working on it right up until maybe oh, cool. a week yeah. a week before the final manuscript was ticked off. 
So it was nice to kind of, it was in a way like, yeah, there was no lull and kind of wondering like, are people going to like it? Um, so yeah, it was just finished print within, a, I don't know, within a week. And then yeah. it wasn't too long after that it was released. And on the road. Was it, uh, was it finished? And you're like, man, I wish you had to put that in. Now I remember this cool story about like touring somewhere. <laughs> Some fine tweaking right up until um, the 11th hour. Yeah, cool. Um, but um, no, I, I mean, the, you know, the, otherwise it was, you know, it's going to be eight, <laughs> yeah. 800 pages long. Yeah, it's di- it is, it's different to like doing a, a news article where it, maybe you go, oh, I wish I said that differently. Or yeah. I wish I did that differently. I think when you, the process of writing a book is, is pretty in depth, yeah. in depth. Yeah. So you've got a lot of time to flush out all of the stories and, yeah, you know, decide kind of what what kind of makes what's on the cutting room floor and what makes it in. So yeah, you know, the, it's by the time we got to the final manuscript, you're pretty, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty done. And then from that point, when did you say, Oh, now we have to read it and say it into a microphone. That's, that yeah. feels weird. Yeah. It, um, uh, yeah, it took a, what, a couple of days to knock that over. I think, yeah, two, two little sessions, but, um, no, it was good. And it's interesting because you're, reading it in your perspective so your vocal yeah. delivery is really kind of like you know well you were there essentially yeah you know the tone, so, yeah, yeah yeah so yeah it was good i guess there must have been stories that you'd kind of each forgotten about that you're reminding each other of and then you're like oh yeah shit of course how did i forget that yeah definitely yeah. some moments where yeah i just um totally forgot about stories or thinking that it happened in 98 but it happened in 2005 yeah uh, what I really love about this book is you've both like been really open and vulnerable about like uh, your mental health and you're unwell. Like I had mm. no idea about that. Um, I feel like that's a beautiful thing about where music's at at the moment where it's like healthy and people talk about that. Like I feel like even like, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, nobody would talk about that. Like it must be nice mm. to be able to kind of speak about it now openly and, you know, see the reaction of people. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, um, Young blokes growing up in Newcastle doesn't really have the um, the history of being open and mm. talking about um, personal issues so openly. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think yeah, it was it was it was definitely because there's a forty year friendship here too, right? So there's so much time before the band, and yeah. there's heaps of time after the band. Um, and you know, when um, committing to do the book. To do it justice, you've sort of got to, um, all you know, chips in. Yeah, really lean in and and um, and yeah. just speak your truth. It must have been quite therapeutic in a way too. I imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Very cathartic. Yeah. It was, um, one of the, I think one of the reasons we wanted to write it was to, you know, give ourselves a bit of closure around the band and um, you know, work through some of those emotions that maybe we hadn't dealt with. Yeah. So it was nice, you know, it was nice to go back and, and, you know, revisit all them and kind of make peace with them. And, yeah. you know, the book, the book's a celebration. Absolutely. You know, yeah, it really yeah, yeah. is like, there's some, there's some challenging stuff in there and some tough stuff that, you know, we've had to deal with, um, through the experience, but it makes up a very small percentage, like the yeah. 95% of the book is great stories and, a, and, a you know, talking about the, the incredible experience we had. Yeah. Um, during the time of the band and yeah. And like Chris said of, of, of our relationship, um, you know, enduring 
the before, during and after as well. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people that idolize you and like, it's good to know that your heroes are real people too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It sort of personalizes it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. The title of the book as well, Love and Pain, but then there's the kind of second line, epic times and crooked lines of (laughs) life inside and outside of Silverchair and the epic times you've kind of described as well, but crooked lines, like did one of you come up with that? That seems like obviously a takeoff straight lines. (laughs) I love that. <laughs> it shows like, you know, some shit went wrong. Well, I don't, I think that kind of for anyone, you, you, you you'd yeah. be able to get this, yeah. to any band, like there's, it's never, a, it's never a smooth ride or smooth sailing. There's always uh challenging moments, yeah. some little kind of speed humps along the way. And it's just, it's how you deal with them, I guess. And, well, um, yeah, I feel like you guys summed it really perfectly with that elephant analogy. You know, you're all mm. kind of going through the same thing, but you're all feeling different about it and not knowing how the other people are feeling sometimes. Yeah. I totally relate to that. And also yeah. just accepting that for what it yeah. what it is, you know, um, and um, and that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there were times even during the process where Chris and I had completely different recollections. Like, yeah. like the elephant analogy was perfect. We had different recollections of the same, the exact same moment. Yeah. Um, and we decided early on that we wouldn't kind of try and correct it or correct each yeah. other or that we'd lean into that and be like, no, well, you remember it differently. Or I remember it differently. So that's how we're going to tell it. Exactly. Well, we want to focus on the good times right now. So this is called Memory Lane, right? So what we've done is there's a few little segments we've got going here, but I want to touch on a few moments in the book just to get your kind of uh, memories from them and reading it and going through it. I think it's a very important that we touch on this story being right here at Triple M. This tip of managing Silverchair is the same tip for interacting with any teenage boys. Don't tell us not to do something. It only makes us want to do it even more. This isn't any ordinary gig, though. Our record company has flown over the two heads of Triple M Radio in Australia to watch us do our thing live. We've been getting heaps of airplay from Triple J, but we're yet to crack Triple M. And all the other bands on the bill are big rock acts that Triple M play. Those bands are also playing before us. We're the draw card. What it was there, too, as we're trying to show Triple M what they're missing out on. If that's not enough pressure... The show is also being broadcast live on air. Just remember, this is live, so don't swear. What it tells Dan before our set, rookie mistake. After our very first song, Dan drops his first swear word, then his second. I've been told this is going out live on radio, so I'm f***ing not allowed to f***ing swear, he says to the crowd. The live broadcast is pulled immediately, and the Triple M big shots think we're loose cannons. Watto just shakes his head. That's amazing. <laughs> Look, we're sitting in the Triple J, Triple, triple J. We're sitting in the Triple M studio now, so all was right. forgiven. Right. Right. I've, I've got to ask, who were the other bands on the bill? Do you remember the other bands that were playing before you? ACDC, Barnsley. Come on. No, this is in, no, the, this is in the US. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, do you remember who was on before? Um, no, like no. it's hard to. Yeah, again, it's like it all just molds in. You, you, it all molds into one big gig, mm, right? I mean, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. I've seen posters of us play. We play gigs with um, like Blur, yeah. and but I I don't remember. Yeah, because I suppose you're like in and out, right? You just play your set and then you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it, that is a pressure gig, right? Yeah. To be playing like in the US, these big bands before you, and it's live. Like, how did you guys deal with like pressure moments like that, or did you kind of? I guess when you're kind of young, you don't really understand yeah, I think, it, right? Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, there's this um, blissfully unaware, um, just, you know, and yeah, you're young boys just yeah. looking for the limit, right? Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I don't think, 
Yeah, those things never really uh, didn't appear to bother us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but that that was true. What it was a rookie move by Water. Oh, totally. He should have just oh, yeah. he shouldn't have mentioned the yeah. thing, and there would have been no swear words. But you know, we can all relate to that. Right? <laughs> you know, don't don't press the huge red button that's sitting in the middle of the table. Yeah, that's, like, right. that's the only thing you can think of. Uh, I want to touch on a story that you told, Pat. After the Arias at the Siebel, the after party. Oh, where, yeah. uh, oh here we go. Yep. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Can you please tell the story? Well, I was uh, at the time in, in Newcastle, people just seemed to be doing nudie runs a lot. And uh, I wasn't, I'm not a nudie run kind of guy. But um, at the Arias that particular year, I just thought it would be funny if John Coghill and myself did a nudie run at the sea. But I think it was the last year. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, you know, you, you want to do so, something memorable. So a couple of nude guys running around the reception might be um, memorable. Yeah, I guess. yeah Complimentary, yeah. someone say. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I hassled him for a while and he was like, just get away from me, Ben. And eventually he just kind of was like, you know, stuff it. And he jumped up on a table and just dropped his dax and pushed his uh, old yep. fella, I yep. think I said in the book, between his legs in a move known as the girl. Um, and he was like, come on, come on, mate. You, you've, Your you've idea. Been, yeah, you've been hassling me about this. Get up. So I was like, yep. yep. Well, fair is fair. So it jumped up. And I didn't know, I don't know what the purpose of doing the girl was. It's not really a nudie run. It's just like a weird thing to do on a table. But that's what we did. Depending on where you're standing, it could be called the kangaroo. Like, <laughs> or, the, or the bulldog. The bulldog. Yeah. How, how many people were there? Was it like a, a big kind of, like a lot of people there? It was in, it was in the reception. There was a oh. fair, I'd say there was a fair few people saw it. <laughs> but it's a... never been mentioned or spoken about. That sounded like an institution, like, because they had all the after parties there. Did you they, yeah, the Siebel. No, no, before I talk, but it, I heard the stories yeah, about the it. Yeah, the Siebel was this legendary place, and the the lobby bar was tiny, um, but everyone would just pack in there. Um, and I remember that last night, like, yeah, people were pulling plaques off walls, like, level four or room numbers. Oh, and, my God. Like, yeah, because it was getting demolished. Yeah, it was chaos. Absolute carnage. Yeah. You could literally, on the Arias, uh, for the Arias after party, you could get in the lift and pick any floor and hit it and get out, and you'd see people you know. Yes, and there'd whole be way people, full of people. Oh, yeah, any really? floor. It was the cra- it was so that's, rock and roll. That's like it po- was awesome. That's like post the Cambridge gig, like times a hundred. Yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Uh, let's go to New Zealand. How many dudes you know roll like this? How many dudes you know flow like this? Not many, if any. Not many, if any. How many dudes you know? Yeah, banging song. Yeah, that's great so song. Sick. Scribe was massive. I had the chance to meet him once. He was the nicest guy. Yeah, and you guys get to meet him in Newey as well. Not yeah. New, uh, New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah. 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 Yep. Auckland. Yeah. He and he, yeah, he's a lovely guy. Um, and um, yeah, it was a uh, interesting time. <laughs> Did he make you something? Oh no, that wasn't Scribe that made us that. That was one. So one of the guys from the record company. Oh, um, the suits. Yeah, yeah. he was. was he that? was the just onesies. so. He was. He was awesome. He was just easily encourageable, and um, I don't know why he had. He he turned up in a like a dinosaur one. Like I think it was a rhino. Yeah, and we were like, dude, I, I don't even know why he did it, but it was just like, dude, that's that's and that's a that's a good move. His Respect. mum, his mum made it for yeah. him. Yeah. So when we kind of like gave him the wraps on it, he was like, well, my mum made it. Do you guys want one? 
And then he made us all one. I don't know where mine has gone, but... <laughs> I've still got mine. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, got, it's got a C on it. Well, if he's yeah. listening now, yeah, it's if epic. he's watching now. Yeah. <laughs> like, mate, personally, that's initial for <laughs> Yeah, you. that's right. That's Personalised. No, all right, I'm just going to play an audio grab, and you've got to tell me uh, what comes to mind. Well, the jerk store called. They're running out of you. I was in the pool! Oh, oh you're, you're pool! angling for the George Costanza trio. George Costanza. What can you tell our listeners about that? <laughs> well, um, uh, way back yonder, uh, we did a warm-up, like a uh, secret show or like a... I think it was for Freak Show. Before Freak Show came out, we did a, a secret show at the Troubadour in LA, but yeah, uh, it nice. was it was for our fans. And that's right, it was for the LAS. Yeah, and yep. we it was kind of a you know we called it a secret show, but if 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 you were in the know, it was very obvious what it was. Yeah, um, yeah. But we had these really cool invitations that um, there was like a backing plate to it with like this scrambled thing, and then this clear plastic piece of plastic. Do you remember that that yeah. you had to put over the front of it to to reveal what the invitation was, and we yeah. called ourselves the George Costanza Trio. That is, a, that is amazing. You've had some good names. I noticed you played a, a secret gig at the Gaelic Club in Sydney as yeah. well in the 2000s. Like, that was an iconic venue. That's yeah. not there. Didn't we do one as that, a Silverchair tribute show as well? I think that might have been it. You had oh, no, Short that, Elvis. Yes, Short that was Short Elvis. Elvis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was at the Cambridge. I thought it was the Silverchair tribute show. Oh. Yeah, we were, yeah. And yes. the ACDC tribute band was supporting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no way, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, the Australian Silver Chair Show. <laughs> that's it. Hey, throwing um, it out there, that'd be hard to follow. A good ACDC cover band would be hard to yeah. follow. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Any good cover band is hard to follow. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to touch on the Vibe case. What was in oh, that's, the Vibe that's case? that's Chris's department. Yeah, that just developed over, over, over the years of being on the road and slowly bringing our rituals into it. And yeah. I used to carry this little um, briefcase around. And it, it was back in the day when Discmans were still a thing. Ah, oh, the good old days. Had these two little Sony speakers. It just held two speakers and a Discman, essentially. Or and then and then iPods were just yeah. starting. So I remember when Chris turned up with the first, in the Vibe case with the first iPod, and he was like, "Check this out." Yeah. And, um, and you actually had to open up. Well, like it, a it, men it in took black me like scene. three Total weeks to get enough black. music. I would just loading CDs in. <laughs> yeah. And then uploading it onto there. That was a clunky process. Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think I, I spent a good month. Just just uploading my whole CD collection into the computer. Yeah. But um yeah, and it just it just came everywhere and it was it was you could just flick the case open in any mundane room and oh, the vibe case. instantly had a vibe. vibe. Yeah. Would you get would it get dramatic if you didn't have the vibe case? Would it be like I'm not walking on stage without my vibe case? Well, it ended up like the speakers got bigger and yeah. then we ended up with this awesome, like, Bose Ghetto Blaster thing. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, um, it just evolved. Yeah, it did. It did, yeah. I'll tell you what, what's funny with on the being on the book tour, the, fir- the very first show was at the Civic Theatre in Newcastle. And we're sitting backstage. It was just really odd. Like, everyone kind of left and it was chit-chat. And the two of us were sitting there and it was like, it's really quiet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, where's the vibe? Where's the vibe case? Like, we really need the vibe case. But... Yeah, it was uh, it was missed. Yeah. Do you have a walk on song for your talking? Wait, that you doing with chit chat? Is it? There is a particular song that does come on at the moment. We do walk on. Yeah. Um, it's a funny one. Okay. Reading is funny. Yeah. Okay. I'm a treat. <laughs> gonna reveal. Chris? You have to come down. Yeah, we gotta yeah, go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Triple yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Vibes. I remember uh, that your kind of James Brown phase vibe. I remember being. I'm in the LAS still. If it's still going. Oh, what's your uh, number? Do you remember your number? I don't know the number. 
I've got a key ring here that I still use. It's got that. Oh, sick. But I remember them telling us for some reason, that could, maybe just to fill the space, there was a section on, oh, Ben loves James Brown now. And I just want to like channel like that funky vibe for a sec. And right. what, what did you learn when you went through the James Brown phase? Love it. And just how sick is it? And I can, can you click into a James Brown vibe and just make that as well? Well, I mean, I've got, I do have a James oh, Brown yes. tattoo, nice. a very large James Brown tattoo, which I got to show him in person, by the way. Oh, tell what? us that. You've got to tell us that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's in the book. Um, so <laughs> it was one of those times where I called John Watson, our manager and was like, Hey, what if there's any time you can drop the silver chair name, like to get something, to get something like, can you do, do it so I can meet this man? And, um, I don't think it was that hard. He he called a, a lady named Rena Ferris, who's been in this. this of course. Yeah, Rena. Yeah, yeah, Rena, Rena, yeah, yeah. Yep. She's been in industry for years. And uh, anyway, Rena hooked it up. She was doing the PR for the um, for the tour. And I was in the went into the band room at the State Theatre. Anyway, it had all been set up and he came down and his manager, there was some kind of competition winners, but his manager ushered James over to where I was standing. It made my lip. Oh. You know, when you get really nervous and your lip starts quiver, quivering, oh. like my lip was quivering. I was so nervous. Like, what do I say to James Brown? <laughs> and, um, I said something like, Hey, Mr. Brown, it's nice to meet you. You've got to call him Mr. Brown, yeah. right? Nice, Don't nice, call him nice. James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's nice to meet you, Mr. Brown. And we had a chat about, um, music and I said, I used to, you know, I love Led Zeppelin, but I just took a deep dive on your music and it changed the way I approach music and the way I drum. And then he goes, that's because you got the funk. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, then, and then he goes, yeah. I'm going to work real hard for you tonight. And oh. I was like, it's like, seriously, this is like scripted out of a oh, film. Like perfect. you couldn't make it, couldn't it be any, any better? And then I, oh. and then I showed him this. I said, I have to show you this. And I showed him that. And I, this is, I'm not making this up. He goes, that makes me feel real good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my, and I was just like, okay, cool. I'm, Whoa. I'm done. I, I, I can check out now. That is so cool. I thought you got that after you met him. Yeah. No, that, was, oh, how's yeah. it cool just having that? Just up yeah. There, literally up the up sleeve. Up the sleeve, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's really cool is we get like a lot of musicians that come in and they talk about, you know, knowing you guys and playing. And I'd like to do a couple. This is, uh, this is Clint from Something for Kate talking about playing with you guys overseas. Huge, absolutely huge. Like that was, um, people absolutely go nuts for that band overseas and do a massive venue. I think they were around about eight or 9,000 capacity sort of venues. And, and the great thing was when you play with Silverchair, like, you know, when you go on, look, we're supporting them. The, yeah, the, all the crowds were full before you'd, you know, before we'd go on as well because they were really Sick. interested in the bands that were playing with them. How cool is it to be overseas to play to that many people and to know that they're there? all there to watch the support band. Like that must've been a pretty incredible feeling, right? Yeah. We, we talk about this in the Q and A stuff with chit chat. Yeah. Um, the, the band's been really fortunate to have this extremely loyal and, um, devoted fan base, um, that, yeah, have come along for the ride with this, you know, that I guess we're all in our teens when we, you know, and we did the journey together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the band's been extremely fortunate to have that, um, loyalty amongst its fan base and um yeah yeah and they're just yeah good people absolutely in particular internationally it always seemed like it was brazil that went nuts and, and argentina and south american fans when they click onto something it seems it do, they wild. do they are on a hot like the energy there is yeah. a whole other level um and um some would say extreme yeah but um yeah whenever the band traveled there it was always just a whole other level 
yeah. um, of insaneness. Um, one story in particular in the book is the police escort to the airport because we just couldn't oh. couldn't get out of this hotel. Um, but yeah, just but I mean, we even when we were traveling there, like you'd see spy versus spy there playing mega shows. Like they oh, just cool. yeah, they right. must have just oh. had this thing for Aussie bands as well. But um, yeah, it was always just absolute madness. And there, was, like, there was just something in the air there, wasn't there? Yeah, it was dangerous. Every, every time we went there, just like, oh, what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> and how is it like checking in somewhere like under aliases? Like that's when you know it's gone to like a new level, right? It's yeah, bit, yeah, it's a bit of fun and games. Yeah, I, we enjoyed that. We actually in the it, it it names the aliases in the book, but my my favorite of of mine was Planet Funk. I was called <laughs> Planet Funk for a little while. So to Chase call downstairs and you're like, and they're like, "Hello, Mister Funk," <laughs> <laughs> in their accent. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, Cram. Uh, this audio is a little bit shaky, but I think you get the idea. At a very tiny pub in Melbourne, that I was the you. Empress of India, they were these really young little guys. I think they were only sixteen. To get permission to play there because they were too young. And we we're all like donors hanging out, and then all of these really well dressed people came into this pub, and we're like, "Who are these people?" And it turned out to be, you know, most of the music industry. Yeah, right. And they came in, they were coming in just to check these guys out and obviously left straight afterwards. Fast forward to many years later, and both went to the same um, MTV Awards in New York, sitting at the Radio City Music Hall and Sting and Madonna and <laughs> yeah. all these people. And then I get this call out saying, hey, Cram. And it's a silver chair, a few rows in, <laughs> in front of us and they're just waving. And, and we used to, I remember playing cricket with those guys at the, at the big day out. People wouldn't realize um, that Daniel is actually a lethally fast quick bowler. Those backstage cricket games seem yeah, like a lot of fun, they, hey? They yeah. are. They're, they're, they're a serious um, occasion. Actually, a lot Bernard of, Fanning it was, uh, is, is, gets particularly uh, competitive. Yeah. When I, I, I yeah. recall him being very serious about the, the cricket. They had um, merch backstage. at that time. Like around yeah, 2003, four. they had a cap that I used to wear that it was Powderfinger, but with a cricket logo, you know, you put two bats in front <laughs> yeah. of a pair of stumps. Yeah. Like, he was obsessed with cricket. Yeah, he was much. very, he got very, he, I think Bernard was a good bowler, actually. Yeah, yeah it's not surprising. Memory. And they were pretty specials? competitive too. Did you, did you, were you a batsman? What did you, did you throw down leggings? Oh, good old rounder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Outf- outfielder. Yeah. Stopping those boundaries. <laughs> Long stop. Uh, okay, we'll talk about memories from the book. I also want to talk on. I've gone through, this is where I do all the bands that come in. I've gone through your gig history and randomly plucked some out just okay. to see what you remember. Super, now, yeah, super yeah, remember. So you might not remember it, but you might remember something around it, like getting dinner or going out to check into the hotel or whatever. It's a long time ago, but I actually have a friend who was at this gig at St Kilda in Luna Park, and you played with... So don't you wanna be Spider-Bait, The Meanies... Don't you know and Magic Dirt. Any memories from playing at Luna Park in St Kilda, Melbourne? That's... I, I do, yeah. The, the poster for that gig is actually... Awesome. I don't know. It might have been a Ben Brown or something like that. I remember it being absolutely epic. Yeah. Is that the, is that the one I reference? Is that the first time we played there? That the one you're thinking? Because <sighs> I, I don't know. Is that the time we got? Because there was a. Was that around the time we got stuck on the roller coaster? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. We, we Come went. On. We, yeah, we're just going know, through the file know, of facts at the moment. It's a, it is a rickety roller coaster. The, the mousetrap one, right? Yeah, yeah mousetrap. Yeah. Yeah. And we're on it and. You know, it's going, it's doing its thing. And I went down the first dip and it was just like, tick, 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 just got up the top. We're all like going, we're not going to make it. <laughs> if that was on that one, there's no way we're making the next one. And down it went. 
And yeah, it just went dick, 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 conk. Oh, you went backwards. Yeah, and, and, and then just locked. No, just kind of locked in oh, there. And we were like, stuck, yeah, up, stuck up there. And, and just the operators down the bottom just looking up, just like, oh, God, what do we do now? <laughs> you know? And the, I think the guy, the guy scaled. The guy like scaled the whole. Yeah, we sort of yeah. Like, managed to rocket enough forward to get up onto the next bit. You're only there because someone moved it with their hands. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty yeah. dodgy operation. Like it's still pretty like that, I reckon. Yeah. OHS would not have been happy. No, no, no. no. I remember the guy. I, um, I can't remember his name. I remember he was the guy, a bit nervous. He was the getting guy sweaty hands. Company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was not. We, we thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> That's just it, because I guess like when you're younger and a kid, it's it's all funny, isn't it? Like yep. it's, it's all like when things Still go wrong. Is what he's yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go to 1997 Baz- Bazaar Fest in Sweden. We had Radiohead, Placebo, Reef, Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. Any, any memories from doing those kind of early European festivals? I think we might have done that one a couple of times, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're, they're, those European ones are like, they're the ones that really just all mm. mesh together as one yeah, big gig. Because you literally, like, you play a show, you see all these incredible bands, but and all the bands are, are on the same circuit. So you do the gig, get in the bus, you go to the next gig. Yeah. And it's, you see a lot, a lot of the same faces, it's, you know, and you just, you just rinse and repeat and you do it. So many times, mm. they all just feel like the And the same. European summer festivals, it's like, oh, yeah, it's that time again. It's all the summer festivals in Europe. Here, off we go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we're back in three months. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember. And the, it's like you're backstage and, you you know, you've come off stage or you have a shower, you know, you kind of, you've just played your gig and, and you will, you'll hear like Radiohead or someone on stage. You'll be like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, we were touching on this before, but we, we have to, t- I think this concert was monumental, of course. Rock and Rio. This, this concert's iconic. Uh, I like bands that play that. Slow that. <laughs> it's, it's definitely sitting back it's in the. Slow, yeah, isn't it? it's sitting back a little. Uh, who else? Police were on it. Chili. Not sure if you've met the Chili's on the journey at all. Yeah, a yeah. lot. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. How are they? Fantastic. Yeah, we did a whole bunch of shows with those guys. We did the One Hot Minute tour in the States with them. Oh, tell me about that. One, or Californication. The One Hot Minute. Dave Navarro was playing. I think that's California. Um, uh, one Hot Minute. Navarro. Okay, yeah, one. Yeah. One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then John Frusciante was the next run of shows, and that was... Oh, cool. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we just seemed to... After the first tour we did with them, we seemed to just catch up with them a bunch of times and always land on bills with them. The, yeah. One of my favorite, was it in Nice or Nemes? Uh, Nemes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jar Wobble was supporting. Jar Wobble. Jar, was, uh, Jar the, Wobble. The band Jar Wobble was opening. It's this old bull, bullfighting arena. Yeah. And oh, I remember what? Chris and I, like, we went for a walk during the, it, it literally, it looked like the Colosseum, but just a, a minute, well, I say miniature, but it was still enormous. Yeah, it was a little slightly smaller. Yeah. But yeah, it was, that was a pretty memorable gig, mm. just walking out and seeing in this old, and you just think about what, what used to happen there. Yeah, that's know. the yeah. other thing, right? Years ago, yeah, people getting mauled by bears animals and, and oh, <laughs> tigers. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. What about Rock and Rio? Like, you, you look at footage of that concert and you see the crowd and it, it, it actually, it doesn't look real. It doesn't you know what sense. I mean? Like, and then, do you remember like anything before that or walking into the stage, like, it, the, it was a long way away from. I mean, every, it's two hundred fifty thousand people in a space, so yeah. everything was 
big just super size. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like we had to leave the dressing room like I think it was like a couple of hours before yeah. we actually went on to this other green room. A couple was, of hours. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I remember um, being in that. It was like a coat. We got in like a coach yeah. and we had like, you know, Watto and the band and some crew and um, Kevin Shirley, who did our first producer. Oh, cool. He was with us. Yeah. And I remember him coming up and talking to me and just being completely blank because I was just so, you know what you get like before a gig, you kind of just get into the zone. I was, I don't know if I was nervous or like kind of quietly freaking out. <laughs> oh. But yeah, it was, it was, um, Walking out on stage to, to that many people is just, I mean, until, you know, you hear the number, but it's not until you walk out and you look out and you yeah. go, that, that yeah. is like <laughs> nothing else I've ever seen. We were saying before, killer set list. Unbelievable. How, how, what was it like kind of putting together set lists as you kind of, you know, the band just kept getting bigger and bigger? It's a good problem to have, I guess, eliminating songs, but you know. Yeah, I, I guess there was sort of like that, the... 75% of the really obvious core members yeah. of the set list. Yeah. And then just sort of playing with that other 15%. Yeah. Um, to keep keep it fresh and interesting for ourselves as well, I guess. I know it's hard, hard to pick, but do you have like your ultimate pinch yourself moment? Like could be meeting someone, could be playing a gig. Is there one that just you look back on and you're just like, I can't believe that happened? I mean, James Brown was pretty up there yeah, for that's me. Yours. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yours. That's yours. That was pretty incredible. Yeah, the whole Rock and Rio experience was yeah. pretty Pretty mental. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Van Dyke Parks is a weird one as well. Did you guys have as much, to, not as much to do with him as Daniel did, but what was that like discovering first that he was alive yeah. and then <laughs> two working with him on a couple albums? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we definitely, like we all spent a lot of time with Van Dyke and he was, uh, you know, incredibly generous um, and, uh, you know, an amazing musician, like mm. just to see how he can. Yeah. He'd be sitting there with a blank, like big, a three sort of um with no music on it but just the charts so, so to speak and yeah he would just be with a lead pencil writing yeah just right. just constant just yeah just like stream of consciousness just do, 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 do. yeah it's just that, that i guess that just that level of musical knowledge yeah. and and the, and the theory like but being able to kind of just regurgitate it onto onto paper and have 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 the thought have the musical thoughts in his head and yeah. be able to kind of communicate it into notes for for an orchestra like it was yeah it's pretty incredible to watch and when you see the like we've got there's we've got some piece piece mm, of yeah. framed music from uh, Love Your Life I think it I think is it is yeah nice and you just um yeah it's you know to to be around those kind of that kind of caliber of musician it's um it's really inspiring yeah. David Helfgott too on on Neon Ballroom was that a like was he did he what do one day on that doing emotion sickness he would have been interesting to see do his thing as well yeah uh, like an amazing again amazing talent um and um yeah just a mind blowing experience yeah just being there when he's recording it awesome man I think um the Larry, who actually who wrote the the part the part for him, I I've got a memory. Was he like tapping David on the back to for to, for the timing? Yeah, I can't remember something. I, I think he may have. May, again, like that's your me your memories, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, it's the know, little it's, things. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, your perspective. I've got a. I don't know if that's a memory or I've kind of cooked that up in my head, but I, I think Larry may have sat behind David okay, when he was human metronome. Yeah, giving him like the counting for like the, the, the different yeah. parts. But and he also played the left like he did all the big left hand bass notes separately. Oh. And then he would go back and do the all the 
tinkly kind of really fast runs on the right hand separately as well. And some of them like they they're just rocketing, you know. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's um it's pretty amazing to watch him working his magic. Absolutely. Do you guys miss playing? Yeah, totally. And I think um that's one thing we do talk about a bit in the book is just that thing, just remembering that thing that the three of us had when we were on stage. Yeah. Um it was the most amazing feeling. Um and never have we well I haven't personally been able to replicate yeah. that that feeling. Um yeah, it's yeah, it's really cool. Absolutely, man. Uh, loving everything we've spoken about so far. No, we're a bit short on time, but we've got one more game for you guys to play. On Triple M's Homegrown with Matteo, it's time for... Uh-oh, it's my party again. The lovely Jules on backing vocals out there. Now, I've got uh, three, <laughs> three artists picked at random, right? This is called Right Party Dinner. So you can write a song with one of them, you can party with the next, and the third you've got to take home. Uh, to your family to have dinner with. All right. right. So your oh, three acts are. We got Elton. The second one. Uh, David Bowie and the third. Queen. So we're writing a song. We're partying, taking home to dinner. Either Elton John, David Bowie, Queen. What are we doing with what person? Right with Bowie. Right with Bowie. Party with Queen. Yep. Dinner with Elton. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I'd probably say um, that's yeah. Party with Queen, but I'd I'd flip and probably yeah go Elton for a song. Yeah, I and like that, have a little have a little bite with yeah with David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. <laughs> awesome guys. Hey, well, congrats on the book. It's bloody awesome. The response thank has been you. amazing, and thank you more than anything. Like Chris and I were saying, just for your just for your music, it's just got me through a lot of like we're huge fans. It's got a lot of people through a lot of hard times. People love you guys. They celebrate it. It's great to hear that story, and thanks for opening up and sharing it. We really Unreal. appreciate it. And thanks, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Awesome.